let's get into the message, the book of Daniel, week four. We are uh, looking at uh, this, this book that's in the prophetic section of the Old Testament, and it's, it's all about Daniel's life. He was a young man that we first find him in the book of Daniel. He was taken from his homeland in Jerusalem, and he was brought to this place called Babylon, which is modern-day Iraq. And I believe the book of Daniel was written because Daniel kept his values in the middle of a, of a culture that was very against his values, that we've titled this series, How to Live a Stand-Up Life in a Bow-Down World. Because I, I believe the whole book of Daniel is prophetic, even this historical part, because I think it's kind of how we're living in our world today. Because there's so many things that try to get us off of the, the focus of the values that we have as believers. And it's the laws are being passed. All kinds of things are happening all around us that really question, are we going to bow down to our culture? Or are we going to stand up for God? In this series, we've been looking at this reality. If Daniel can stand up, we can too, right? If Daniel can live for God, then we're going to be able to live for God too, no matter what comes our way. So, so we've looked a lot in this series about the problems of their culture that Daniel lived in. And today, I want to look at the solution uh, that, uh, that, that, that Daniel was... And, and the solution that we can be in our world. So we're, we're talking today what, what, what our culture's greatest need is. And I want to turn to one of my favorite verses in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. And it talks about something that Daniel sees in the future. Next week as we talk about the Daniel's visions of the end times, we're going to look all at this portion of Daniel's book. But, but this is something where he's talking about the end times. So here it goes. It says, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll or of this prophecy until when? Until the end of time. And many will, and he describes a little bit about what the end of time looks like. He says, in the end of time, Daniel, and I'm, you know, Daniel's living, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years ago, over 2,000 years ago, actually. And he's, he's God kind of gives him a little glimpse. He said, oh, in the end time, many will go here and there. So there's going to be people traveling all over the world. And he says, and, and, and people are going to be increasing in knowledge. And we're going to talk all about that next week. And, and, and never has there been a time where people have literally traveled the way that we travel today and the way that knowledge continues to increase. I could hop in a plane right after the service today, be across the world before the day's over. And th there's this travel and there's this incredible knowledge that we have. And God's saying, hey, in the end time, when, when, when the culture's dark, so Daniel, your day's dark, and there's issues in your day, and there's problems in your day. But in the end time, there's going to be some issues, and there's going to be some problems, and there's going to be darkness in the culture. But there's going to be these people who are wise. And they're so wise that they're shining, and they're leading other people to righteousness. And they're, man, if I could just, they're like the stars that are shining forever and ever. And Daniel, I want you to say that this is for people that are living in the end time. And guys, I want to show you today, what is Daniel talking about? About the end time, there's going to be these people that are going to be different, that are going to rise up and shine. Simply this, that Daniel was seeing you. Daniel was seeing us. Daniel was seeing the church. And God was saying to Daniel, yes, the world is dark. Yes, there are problems. Yes, there are issues all around us. But Daniel, I want, I want you to know you have two responses. You can either, number one, curse the darkness. And a lot of people do that. A lot of churches do that. Oh, the world's so bad and everything's so evil. And everybody's going to hail with, if you're from East Tennessee, that's a two-syllable word. It's so bad. So you can either curse the darkness, circle the wagons. 
them bad, we good, we just kind of circle, we're just, in, we're just in our own bubble. Or we can do what this is saying and we can shine a light. Can you say that with me? Shine a light. So here's the, here's the premise of the, the, today's message. And if you're taking notes, here's your first one. It's simply this, that culture's greatest need is the church. Culture's greatest need. And this does not mean a building. This does not mean, a, this does not mean uh, just a place, a physical place with a steeple. This is, this is a people that are shining light, that are showing the world who God really is. See, when this church got started just a little over two years ago, we didn't have a place. Now we meet in a thing that was a former DMV. If you've ever wondered if God can take what the devil meant for evil and turn it for good, you are sitting in what used to be a DMV. Praise God. You can go to heaven from a DMV. I don't know if you knew that. But guys... This is not a church. This is, thank God we have a place together. I thank God every day we, I pull up to this place, we have a place together. But you know what? This building is not the hope of the world. We're just in a business park. This place is not the hope of the world. But we are the hope of the world. This, this, people, where it, this people where it doesn't matter where you come from. This people where it doesn't matter what you did last year or what color your skin is or how much money's in your bank account or how much education you do or don't have. But this place where people just people come and stand toe-to-toe, eye-to-eye, shoulder-to-shoulder at the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ and find hope and find life and are changed. You know what the world needs? Thank God for politicians and laws, but that's not, that's not gonna, what's going to change it. Thank God what, what, the, what we need is the church alive. That's what changes the world. That's what changes everything. Here's what the scripture says. Jesus says this, you are the light of the world. Oh, God, I thought you were the light. He said, I am the light, but, 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 you, but you're the light of the world. I want you to understand you have a piece of the puzzle to play in the darkness of your day. There's something that you're called to do to make a difference. And this is what God's plan was with Daniel's day, and it's what God's plan is with our day as well. Watch this. We looked at this last week in Daniel chapter 6. But, but watch this about Daniel. Daniel, he so distinguished himself. Among the administrators. So in other words, Daniel in the middle of his culture that was against his God, Daniel didn't reflect the culture. Daniel set the culture. He distinguished himself. That's my prayer. That the people of City Hills, we'll be a distinguished people. I don't know if you ever thought you're distinguished, you know. A distinguished people. What I mean by that is we don't just go with, we're not just thermometers telling the cultural temperature all around us. We're thermostats. We're, we're setting the temperature. I mean, you're, a, you're, a, you're like a Nest Wi-Fi enabled uh, Amazon Alexa thermostat. I mean, you're a big deal. You know, you, when you walk in a room, you don't have to just tell the culture of your, uh, you don't have to just feel the temperature of your business, feel the temperature of your friends or at school or feel the temperature of people and coworkers around you. But you walk in the building and you set the temperature because you've distinguished yourself. You're setting the culture all around you. And how did he do it? He did it because he had exceptional qualities. He didn't do it by standing on a street corner yelling, turn or burn. He didn't doing it by getting in everybody's face. He did it by living this exceptional kind of life that God was doing something in him that so much so that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. And if I could tell you this, Daniel was an ambassador. And we are too. Paul writes this in 2 Corinthians 5.20 that we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. Could you say that word with me? Ambassadors. 
that you're an ambassador. I don't know if you've ever thought of yourself like this. You're an ambassador. As, as a nation, we have ambassadors all over the world. They, they represent America to other cultures all around them. This ambassadors represent their home country while working and living in a foreign country. That the, con- the country they, they're living in is not their home. But, but, but they come, when, when the ambassador is there, he has the full authority of the nation that he represents sitting there in that foreign land. And church, that's who we are. We're ambassadors of another land. This world, we may be living here, but this world is not our home. You, you, you may have an address here in Knoxville, Tennessee, but your real address, if you've been saved by the blood of the Lamb, is in another country. And you're here representing that country and you're an ambassador. A few years ago, I got to go to the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C., and it was an amazing experience. And when you come, whenever I, I step into the building or on the property, I never forget them telling you, welcome to Israel. <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, I've never, you know, never even crossed the seat, but I'm, I'm in Israel right now. And they, they, this is governed. You've stepped into the governance of of the Israeli state. You are, you are here because the embassy is here. This is where the ambassador is, that, that this is the embassy. And I thought, man, that's, isn't that a picture of the church? That, 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 that at the embassy, you're, you're in that nation. At the, in the embassy, the laws of, of that nation are applied to you. And at the embassy, it's, it's a big deal. And when we come to the church, it's like coming into the embassy, right? This is a place where, man, heaven rules. This is a place where when you come here, there's hope and there's life and there's, there's joy and there's strength and there's God's presence. He's, he's, he's in this place and you can, you can encounter him and you can have, a, have, a, have, have your life changed by the power of God. He says this, we're ambassadors as though God was making his appeal through us. That is simply to say God does not have a plan B. You are plan A, I am plan A, and God doesn't have a plan B. The way that God's going to show who he is to our world is through his ambassadors, through us. He says, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So Daniel was an ambassador. Daniel was someone full of exceptional qualities. So, so what, what should we do? How, how are, if we're going to be an ambassador, what kind of ambassador should we be? Well, I'd like to submit to you today, we should be an ambassador of Christ. We should, Jesus should be our example of who we should be and what we should look like and how we should love. And I want to show you a picture of Jesus that you may have never noticed before from the book of Revelation that shows who he is. And, and I want to get a little heady here for a couple moments, but, but, but we're going to get really practical and talk about what it means to be this ambassador to make a difference like Daniel made a difference in our lives. So here we go, Revelation chapter 4 and verse 7. John gets a vision of the throne of God. And watch what he says. In the center around the throne, there were four living creatures. And they were covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had the face of a man. And the fourth was like a flying eagle. It's like, what in the world? God says the throne of God. John gets this picture of this creature that has all these head and eyes and there's a lion, there's an ox, there's a man, and there's an eagle. And it's like, well, where did that come from? What, what's, what's that going on? But, but you'll find even prophets in the Old Testament, they had the same vision. 
And this is from the book of Ezekiel chapter 1. It says this, their faces look like this. He had a vision of God's throne as well. It says, each of the four had the face of a human being. On the right side, the face of a lion. On the left, the face of an ox. And also had the face of an eagle. And he goes in verse 28 to say, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So what in the world does this mean? This is, is this representation showing us the character and nature of God, specifically the character and nature of Jesus, and these four different representations of God. And I want to submit today that if, we, if, if our God has these faces, if our God represents himself in these ways, then, then could it be that as we grow closer to him and as we change our world, we're going to change our world through looking how he looks and through making a difference. And if you, want, if you like to study and go deep in your, in your Bible, this is a great study because scholars have seen so many uh, different applications for this. Like, for example, there are four different representations of God on the throne, and there are also four different Gospels. And they say each of the different Gospels represent one of these different aspects of God. It's awesome. Really neat study to study about this. But I just want to get really practical today and talk about this. If you're taking notes, here's the first thing. The first face of our God is the face of the ox. If you're taking notes, the face of servanthood. The face of servanthood. That the ox that was represented, the face of the ox of, on the throne of God. Like what in the world? What does all this mean? Well, what was an ox? The ox, he was a bearer of burdens. The ox plowed. The ox even was the ultimate, gave the ultimate sacrifice. The ox would, would be sacrificed for the sins of the people. The ox was the consummate servant. And that's exactly who Jesus is. Jesus came, the God of heaven, to serve. I mean, we should never think we have an excuse not to serve somebody. We should never walk around with our nose up being too good to serve anybody. If our God can step off the throne of heaven itself and to come and to be born to, to, to be born into poverty, in obscurity, to walk the earth in just a blue-collar person that other people would overlook and not feel as very valuable, but he was the very God of heaven, and he served, and he loved, and he cared for, and he gave the ultimate sacrifice for you and me. He was... Jesus has this face of a servant, the, the face of, of the ox. That, that, that Daniel, I believe, was the same way. Daniel was such a servant of the kings that, that he worked with that he, he worked through four different administrations. So like a, king, like, like a king would die sometimes because of the other king. Like he would kill somebody and they're like, normally they would kill all of the people that were working with them and just change the whole coaching staff. Um, but... They said, we want to keep Daniel. They said, we want to keep Daniel. Why? Because he was a servant. Because Daniel was such an influencer. Not because he stood up and he got angry at everybody and he was, he was, he was telling everybody how they were wrong, but because he was such a servant of people around him. Church, when we serve people, it makes such a difference that people don't really care how much we know until they know first how much we care. And I believe when God starts putting in us the face of a servant, it changes our world around us. It's like Joseph in the Bible. Joseph was somebody who had a dream from God. But Joseph's dream immediately looked like it was never going to be fulfilled. But Joseph, instead of forgetting God and forgetting the dream, he just started helping other people achieve their dreams. And Joseph 
help Potiphar's dream. And then Joseph helped um, the butler and the baker's dream. And then, just, and then Joseph helped with Pharaoh's dream. And what he didn't realize, every time he was fulfilling the dreams of other people, serving the dreams of other people, he was getting one step closer to the fulfillment of his own dream. In church, when we have the face of a servant, when we allow God to make us into servants... We serve the dreams of others. One of the greatest questions that you, one of the greatest ways we can serve people is to find out the dream that's in their heart. I love asking people the question, if you could do anything and God would bless it, what, what would you do for God? Like, what would you do for God if you could do anything? Like, what, what's the dream in your heart? Ask that question of the people that are around you and begin to serve the dream of other people instead of focusing on the dream that you have and, and to serve your own dream. Because when you start helping other people find their dreams, then God's dream will be fulfilled in your life. It's like the serve day yesterday. This, this place, I wish everyone could have seen it, but I know so many of you are here. And, but this place was, was this, this stage was filled with turkeys and, uh, and, and, and bought baskets of food and all this. And people were coming in and we were feeding breakfast and people were getting food and people were opening the door for people. And then they were coming in, serving them. They were taking food to the cars, and they were just serving, 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 serving. And not one person that I saw was saying, oh, you, you got to come to the church, and you better come back, and, and we're not going to give you a turkey if you don't come to this church. And nobody said that at all. We were just loving on people, just caring. And then I had so many people come up to me. We even had one person circle the parking lot and then come back and say, hey, I just I can't leave without asking you, when are your services? And maybe you're here today. But, but I don't know, maybe, maybe someone's here today that came uh, yesterday to... to to our event, but I just, but it was amazing to me that I, nobody was having to broadcast to, to beg someone to come to church. Everyone wanted to know about our God. Why? Because we were having the face of a servant. He says this, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 9. He says, Though I'm free and belong to no man, in other words, I can do whatever I want. He says, I make myself a slave or a servant to everyone. Like everybody around me, I'm letting God develop this face of a servant around me. That I'm serving the dreams inside of others. I'm serving the dreams that God has in their life. I have this face of a servant. I'm listening and I'm trying to learn so that I can win as many people as possible. I'm serving those in my office. I'm serving those at school. Students, it matters how you treat your teachers. And it matters how you treat the people around you. Why? Because people are watching. And when you have the heart of a servant, people, people look at you. And before too long, they're going to want to know about your God. They're going to want to know about your gods. So here, here's, here's the second thing. The, the second face that John and that Ezekiel saw of Jesus is the face of the man. And the man is the face of love. Never forget that we don't climb to God. We could never climb to God. But we serve a God who came down to us. That he came in the form of a servant, but in the likeness of men. He became a man. The message paraphrase of John 1.14 says, God became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He didn't come here so that we, he could understand us. Understand us. He was already an omniscient, almighty God that knew everything. God's never been like, oh, never thought of that. You know, he, was, he's, he knows it all. But he came and became a man not so that he could understand us, but so that we could understand him. So that we could truly have a relationship with him. So that we can know who he is. That I believe that people, they want to, if we're going to 
make a difference like Daniel, make a difference and shine like those stars, then we, we, we have to have the face of love. And I, I love this, that, that, that Jesus became like one of us. He became touchable. He became real, if you will, to us. And, and, and that's how we need to walk our world, real. Not, not acting like we don't have issues, not acting like we never had a problem. Being a Christian doesn't mean you have it all figured out, everybody. Being a Christian means that you serve a God who's got it all figured out, and you're, you're humbly walking after him, and you're honest, and you're real. And, and one of the greatest things that, that I've ever learned how to say to people is, I don't know. And because people expect me to know everything, and I say, I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. One of the greatest things you could say to somebody is, I don't know what to say right now. Because it makes you real. Because it lets people know that, that, that you're real and that, you're, that, that you care. What, what, what we do so many times is we try to win the world through a debate. We try to win the world through some kind of an argument. And, and let me just help you. One of the principles I live my life by are this, that I can never win a soul and win an argument at the same time. It just doesn't happen. And so no matter how knowledgeable you are, no matter how right you are, if people don't feel like you love them, if you don't have the face that's real, if you don't walk and are honest and just listen to people, not try to answer all their, all their problems, but just listen to them and say, you know what, I love you just where you are. I care about you right where you are. You don't even have to believe the way I believe. You don't, you don't even have to come to my church, but I just want you to know I love you and I, I care for you right where you are. Then I tell you, I think it'll change the world. How could Daniel serve in such a place where everybody else was against his God, but he still served? I believe because he loved people. I believe because he cared for people right where they were. Jesus says this, a new command I give you, love one another. Like, what, what are you looking for, God? I want you to love each other. As I've loved you, that's a high bar. So you must love one another by this. By what? By my, by my gospel tracts, by my screaming at people, by my Facebook posting about some kind of thing that I think ever, the world's going bad. And Is, is that how everybody's going to know about God? No, no, no. He says, by this, by the way that you love one another, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Church, the way that we love our families, the way that we love our church family, so what, that, that's... The way that all people will know. He was literally talking to his disciples here. He said, hey guys, the way that you care for and love one another, that's the way that the world's going to know that there's something different about you guys. Guys, we need each other. In this room, we need each other. You, you, none of us are, are, are so powerful or so important or have so much going on that we don't, we don't just need some people to, love, to, to, to walk with and to love. In the way that we care for and love one another, he says, man, everybody's going to know that there's something different because of the love that you have for each other. Yesterday, during our serve day, after the, we did the, the turkeys and all those things here and the breakfast, we went to a, a, a neighborhood here that every month we do a block party at and just bless the kids there. And I'm, I've only been to it one other time except for yesterday. And it was amazing to me, all of the people from City Hills, that they, it's just like they knew all these kids by name. And all the, all the kids were just running out so excited. And they had games and they had giveaways and they had music and they had all these things and food and Chick-fil-A. You can't go wrong with Chick-fil-A. And they had all these things out there and, and, and the kids were just having so much fun. And there were people from all other nations of the world there and just other, other religions that were represented in that apartment complex. And, and uh, Suzanne Jackson, she's serving in, uh, on a pro presenter right now in the media booth. And she had these boxes she called blessing boxes. And the kids were, what, what, what she'd do, she'd write like a verse on the side of it and would put their name on it. And then the kids would 
would, would get stickers and different pieces of paper to say what they were thankful for and what they were blessed by. And, and she said, you know what, you may, I, I just kind of stood to the side and listened. She said, you know what, you may have some hard days and you may go through some things. And she said, but every time, she said, I want you to reach in here and remember the blessing that God's given you. It was so good. And then I wish I had the picture, but I, I think it's on, our, um, it's on our church Facebook and Instagram. But there was one little boy that he held up a little card that he was able to write. And he's such a cute little dude. And, but he wrote on, he said, what do your blessing box? He put in his blessing box. He said, oh, he said I love City Hills Church. And and it was the and, and he just was holding this and that man that, but I'd I'd got to see the kind of the process of what that took place and the reality is is that God's love will do what nothing else can do, and I don't know what that little boy is going through I don't know what his week's going I don't know what his family situation is but I know just through some simple people showing the love of God something about him he turned in his heart that he loves that he he said I'm thankful and blessed for this church and guys that's what happens whenever we show the love of God to people around us all around us. Here's the third thing, the face of the eagle. He said he saw the face of the eagle. The face of the eagle is the, simply just the face of excellence. Or, or, or if you want to put it technically, wow. I don't know if you've ever seen an eagle fly before, but it will make you patriotic. You see an eagle like, phew, like, my country tis of these. Other birds, you know, just kind of flapping everywhere, you know. But, but the eagle, you know, when the eagle starts flying, you know, the eagle is just, man, you just, you just kind of stand at attention. You know, it's like everybody quiet, you know, when the eagle. And, and did you know that the face of, one of the faces of, of your God is, wow, that's amazing. Watch this about Jesus. Mark seven thirty seven. it's not in your notes, but it says this. People were overwhelmed with amazement. This is about Jesus. And he said this, he does everything well. Man, he, he had such a life of excellence. That, that, that there was something about the way that he lived his life. And I believe Daniel is the same picture, that, that Daniel lived his life in such a way of excellence that other people that didn't even know his God, they wanted to be around him. They wanted to know him. They wanted to experience what he had. That, that all of us, I believe, part of our becoming more like Christ is us growing in the gift that God gives us. Did you know that? That every person you meet has a gift? That's why we have this thing called Next Steps. We do it every single month here at church, the first and second Sundays of every month. And it's all built on this idea that you have a gift inside of you. And as a church, we want to help you make sure you know what it is. And we want to help you use it for the glory of God. Like there's a gift inside of you. And you you got to work on the gift and grow in your gift. Because part of your you know, experience is, man, there's something different. You did everything well. Like this growth, as you grow in your gift, you show pe- more people who God is. See, the gift from God, I believe, comes a lot like the Christmas gifts that people get from my kids. It's simply this, some assembly required. It says some assembly required. And, and my parents, and my, they, they get gifts for my kids that require the most assembly. When I get gifts for my kids these days, I make sure <laughs> there's not too much assembly required. But I tell, I tell them, we don't need, they don't need any more toys. Our house is just packed. They don't need anything else. And what do they do? They go out and get the biggest thing that they could find. 
And I think it's just payback for all the times that I was bad as a kid. They're like, we'll see. We'll just get it. We'll, we'll fill their house with all these toys and all this stuff. But always in the holidays, I find myself in a garage somewhere, in a basement somewhere when I would like to be sleeping, but there is a box that, I, that I'm putting together, and it's just full of different pieces, and there's just random stickers and metal pieces and plastic pieces. And as a man, I refuse to look at the instruction manual until about an hour goes by, and then I regret that I didn't look at the instruction manual. And my wife says, I should have looked at the instruction manual. But, but I think the same thing in our walk with God, that God gives us a gift, but we have to assemble it in our lives. I think a lot of times we think, you know what, the gift of God, people that are doing great things for God, I think we just assume that they just are gifted to do that. And the reality is when you see someone that's using that gift and using that place in excellence, you can bet on two things. Number one, that God gave them the gift, and secondly, that they put it together. You see, God doesn't make tables, but he does make trees. God gives us the raw materials for greatness, but we have the choice to do something with it or not to grow in your gift. So if that could be my encouragement, grow in your gift. Whatever you do, be the most excellent person that you can do at it. Be at it. That, that you know, read, read books, study, be mentored, uh, be the best at whatever you're doing. Why? Because it's part of of your God. It's part of the face that we make a difference with the world. That we're, we're a city that's set on a hill. Watch what the scripture says. It says, you're the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty? Again, it's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You're the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. So the city, where is it at? It's on a hill. It says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light, your light, not just God's light, but your light, your ability, your talent, your strength, your gift, let it shine before men. Why? So that they'll see what you're doing and they'll praise your God. Like they'll want to they'll praise your God for what he's done in your life. So don't, don't be surprised if your gift takes some work. Someone said this to me the other day and it like struck me. Uh, like I'd never heard it before, but I heard it my whole life. People say, well, if you'll find what you love to do, you'll never work another day in your life. And it hit me. I was like, that is so not true. <laughs> and I get what they're saying that, you know, you need to enjoy what you're doing. And I, I, get, I get that. That's what we're saying that you're, you're, en you're enjoying it. But, but it's, I, I found it in my life to be quite the opposite. When, you, when I find what, what I'm called to do, man, that's when the work begins. That's when you put all your heart and all your soul and you do everything that you can do because it's going to require some assembly. But whenever you, as you assemble and as you become what God's called you to be, then people are going to be like, wow, tell me more about your, tell me more about your God. I heard a story about a man who bought a farm and he didn't realize how much work the farm needed. So he started working it and working it. And working it, and he started putting in fences. I, my family uh, has has farm has a farm, and I know, man. Every time I go visit, we'll go visit next week, and there, you know, there'll be some kind of conversation. Well, we we got to go out here and do this in the farm, and and we're gonna dig another lake over here, and we're, you know, it's just constantly something to do on this land, and there's just always something to do. And this is what this man found out, and he started working it. And after a lot had been done, a neighbor stopped by one day and said, "Man, it looks like some good work that you and God have been doing around here." And the man said, well, thank you. He said, you should have saw the place when God had it all to himself. 
And I think sometimes in life, we, we, we fail to realize that, man, part of our God is this excellence where we say, man, God, would you, would you give me the strength and the ability to do my best to make a difference, to study for the test, to, to, to grow, to become, because, because people want, people, people are going to see your God through excellence. Here's the fourth thing. The lion. The lion is the face of boldness. I love this. There's this face of boldness that our God is. I love that about God. The, the scripture says this in Proverbs 28.1. The righteous are as bold as a lion. And rude and bold are not the same thing. A lot of Christians say, I'm bold. I know you're just really rude. <laughs> not giving you permission to go out and be rude. But I am challenging you to go out and be bold. Stand for God. Man, a lion's majestic. Whenever I was in Africa on a mission trip, I mean, about 12 years ago, we had... The, the camp that I was speaking at was right next to a lion park. And you talk about waking up in the morning. <laughs> when those lions wake up at the crack of dawn to roar, I mean, it, it can wake you up like nothing else. You'll have to take two showers after, after that scares you to death after the first day. But man, those lions are so powerful and so strong. They're so bold. And I, I just think that's a picture of what we are whenever we stand for God. And there, there, there's people that say, well, the, you Christian, just kind of keep be quiet and keep your faith separate from... No, 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 no. No, it's, it's our America too. Like, well, we're here too. It's your school too. You know, it's, it's your school too. You, you, uh, whenever I was in high school, we, someone cast the vision and challenged me to say, hey, why don't you start a Bible study in your school? And I had people say, oh, no, you can't do that in, your, in, in the school. You can't do a Bible study in your school. And then with a little bit of research, I realized, no, 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 you can, you can do that. You, you can stand up. And we weren't rude. And we didn't do anything. But, we, but, but, but that's where I started getting my calling. In other words, whenever I started saying, you know what, I'm not just going to blend in with my world around me, but I'm going to do whatever I can do to stand up and to shine the light of God. I'm not going to just sit back, circle the wagons, and curse the darkness, but I'm going to stand up, even if it's inconvenient, even if people say, oh, that's not really cool to do, but I'm going to stand up and I'm going to do what God's called me to do with boldness because that's who my God is. So how should we respond to culture? Here's what, here's what Jesus did. It says, the word became flesh, as we talked earlier, and made his dwelling among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full. Watch this, the response of Jesus to a dark world and dark culture. What was he full of? He was full of two things, grace and he was full of truth. And I think there's a tension in this that we can easily fall on one side or the other. Some... Christians are just all grace. And they say, oh, it really doesn't matter how you live. Just, oh, man, it's just grace, grace, grace. You know, you don't have to change. You just keep on doing what you need. You know, it's just don't worry about it. You know, just, just grace. But, but I like to say this, that grace without truth is not real grace. And then some, some believers are all about truth. Bless God. And those sinners and all the other people, and they're all about the truth. But I like to say this, truth without grace is not real truth. Because Jesus was a mix of both. He was both and. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to finish with this. How should I respond to culture? First of all, with grace. Because we all need a Savior. Man, I'm no better than anybody else walking 
in this world. Doesn't matter what country they're from. Doesn't matter their background. Doesn't matter what they did last night. Maybe you made the biggest mistake of your life last night and you feel like you're so low and God could never love you. I want you to know there's grace for you today. We respond to the world with grace. Why? Because we all need a Savior. We all need a Savior. And if you're here today, that Savior's in this place. If you're here today in need of a Savior, He's here today. Simply say, help me. I need you. And His grace is going to cover your life. Here's the second thing, though. How should we respond to culture? Secondly, with truth. Because truth is the only thing that can set people free. So we're going to preach the truth of God's word. We're going to stand for the truth of God's word. We're going to preach it like a lion with boldness. Not rude, but bold. Why? Because only truth can truly change hearts and lives and set people free. You receive this today? Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe you're here today and you need that grace. Maybe you're here today. You need that truth. There's some of us here today that you're, you're at a place where God's dealing with you about something. Truth says it's time to admit that you're a sinner. It's time to give your life to Jesus. And today you can receive the greatest gift that could ever be given. That's the forgiveness and cleansing from your past. Never to be the same again. There are people here today under the sound of my voice that it's your day to get that grace and to get that truth to receive the love of God for your life. Or maybe you're here today and it's time for you to rise up and maybe you need the face of a lion or maybe you need that face of compassion and love of a man or maybe you need God to put that servant spirit in your heart where you're serving the people around you. Or maybe it's excellence where man, it's time to grow. It's time to not just expect God to do it all. It's time for me to roll up my sleeves and grow in the gift that he's given me and make it into something that makes a difference in my world. But I want to pray for you today. If you're here today and you you know you need that grace of God, you know you need that help from God, that salvation from God, just want to tell you there's only one there's one part one role that you play in the process and it's simply to repent simply to give your life to Jesus and say I need help God he'll receive you right where you are if you're here today and you say I need God's grace I'm ready to surrender I'd love to pray with you right now where you are if you say Brandon I'd love to be included in that prayer nobody's looking around why don't you just lift up your hand and say yes today I need that grace. I need. I feel like God's doing something fresh and new in my life today. I'm ready to give my life to Him. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. I invite you to pray with me. You don't have to pray what I pray, my words, but let's pray a prayer of surrender today. Lord Jesus, I need you. I give my life to you today, Lord. Would you save me? Would you change me? Would you fill me with your spirit today? Lord, I don't want to be the same. 
I want to be made brand new. Make me more like you, God. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my past. Be my Lord, my Savior today. I give my life to you. In Jesus' name.